Hey everyone, welcome back to a new episode of The Empty Novel. And uh, before I start, I should mention that this podcast is available to listen on iTunes as well as Spotify. And I would appreciate any form of interaction on them. That could be leaving a like, subscribing to the YouTube channel, or even leaving a review and a comment on all the episodes that I have released so far. So yeah, let's just start by talking about the end of an era in the sport of uh, mixed martial arts with uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov announcing his retirement from the sport, which you have to give respect to him because he's keeping a promise of his mother and you can't really scrutinise him for that. However, I could understand the frustration from some people regarding uh, him announcing his retirement a bit too early in his career um, because he's still young for an MMA fighter. He's what, 30, 32 I believe and he still has good 2-3 years in his prime and then uh, 2 more years just fighting guys. But I guess he's a guy who follows and has different rules and regulations and uh, I'm not going to uh, disagree with his decision to go out early in his career uh, due to the um, reasons that he's put out forward like uh, his uh, promise with his mother so yeah it was uh, a bit of a sad weekend in terms of just looking at the MMA world but overall his fight with uh, Gaethje was a bit entertaining to see and him proving the point that he can actually fight on uh, two feet and standing up rather than just on the mat which people don't give him credit for as much because he's not been uh, dropped by fighters uh, like other uh, people who get compared to him have, such as McGregor and even Gaethje and Ferguson, who have been dropped by punches. And um, before the fight, I saw the press conference between uh, Gaethje and uh, Khabib. And just from that moment, I could see that the... Uh, confidence within Gaethje was not there. He didn't believe in his own um, game plan enough or game ability and skill and technique that he had been uh, polishing from uh, his early ages. That he wasn't confident within himself to win this game. And he even said in the press conference that if Khabib was to put him in the... uh, corner of the cage then he'd he'd be screwed and inevitably that's what happened so you can't really uh, criticize Gaethje for just being a man telling you how it is whereas other fighters would have said that no matter what I could do anything against Khabib so you have to give a bit of props to um, Gaethje in terms of direct but I think that he should have shown that he could 
do anything against Khabib, which is what you have to do in a fighting world, to be honest. You have to show that you're not going to be outperformed by your performer, even before you have stepped in the cage. And um, I thought he lost the fight in that press conference with him saying that, oh, it's a big moment for his um, uh, family and the area that he's come from and uh, someone to be fighting uh, at this stage. Such a big event. It's uh, well once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, but also it's something unheard of. And he was saying how uh, he's from a small town in... You were saying uh, it's a big proud moment. But I think if you're fighting for the title, then you should not be saying those things because um, they're kind of giving away your your negatives and allow the opponent to target those emotions within you. Which I don't think that Khabib has or did target, but I just think... Keiichi was being too hard on himself that he wasn't believing in his own ability and with him saying that oh, um, I'm not looking at the videos of uh, Khabib fighting because I've been watching MMA from a young age and I've been watching him as well f- from uh, when he started and um, just not him not analysing I don't know how much of that is true because he could just be bluffing and... Um, just uh, uh, wanted to surprise Khabib in terms of or just having mind games, actually. But if it is true that he wasn't looking and analysing Khabib's performances, then his team should have made sure that they were analysing every inch of Khabib's movements against McGregor and every other fighter that uh, Khabib has faced within the UFC. Because it's one thing not looking at it and believing in your own ability, but there's another thing of dismissing it and then not pre- uh, preparing for it. But yeah, in terms of fight, you can't really argue anymore. Who is the best ever lightweight, even if uh, all of these guys go on and... Um, win against each other and then uh, I, th- I don't think anyone can dispute his worthiness of the title and uh, that leaves the question of what should the UFC do next oh yeah and before I discuss that the fight itself was um, interesting to see like I said and uh, Khabib just being on his feet for the first uh, four minutes of the fight. It kinda, I think he was trying to prove a point to people that hey, look, I too can fight with uh, uh, someone who doesn't um, want to wrestle uh, straight off the bat. And I too can uh, hit hard and get hit hard as well. So yeah, I think he was just trying to prove a point by not taking Aichi um, onto the mat uh, right from the beginning. So, good on him, I guess. And uh, in terms of what uh, UFC could do next, I've uh, seen people mention oh, um, the winner of the Poirier and um, the Conor McGregor fight should get the belt for it. 
And um, I I kind of disagree because I think Ferguson still has it in him to get the belt. And uh, I know people have said that, oh, he's um, too old now because of his age and just him getting too much of uh, uh, beating from Gaethje. But but if you um, see, see that, he actually wasn't getting ready for uh, Justin Gaethje. And uh, Gaethje kind of was a surprise to Ferguson. And I thought it was a bit unfair on Ferguson to fight him in that quick amount of time. Because he would have been practicing on his uh, jiu-jitsu and wrestling to combat Khabib at the time. So I think Khabib not being there, Ferguson deserves another fight with or for the belt anyway. And in my opinion, they should do a four-man little tournament between uh, Dustin Poirier, uh, McGregor and um, Justin Gaethje as well as Tony Ferguson and just have it uh, between all of them. And uh, it would be interesting to see who actually uh, can get the belt because I think that's probably the fairest way to do it rather than just giving it to the winner of... Um, Poirier versus McGregor and um, I think if it does go into a uh, um, four-man tournament between these four they could get a lot of pay-per-views and um, Dana White could introduce something uh, new like this to spice the things up and it's that same future precedent for when a um, Champion retires because they could just do that again, and the um, amount of pay per views would be astronomical probably the highest ever uh, that they could probably do. And with uh, Khabib now retiring, and people saying that oh, he might come back for GSP fight, and um, I don't know if he will. I don't think he will because I think he's a man of principle and a man of his words. But if he was to come back, rather than GSV, I think he should fight or look to fight Kamaru Usman. Because that guy is too good to be uh, in that welterweight division. And no one's getting close to him right now. And I think that could change in the next two, three fights of Kamzat, uh, Kamzat, is it? The Swedish guy coming uh, in the rankings is called Kamzat Shimaev. He's like, he's uh, well known um, in uh, MMA right now because of his uh, fighting technique uh, being similar to that of Khabib and um, them two helping each other and uh, yeah I think uh, Kamzat is someone to be looking out for and uh, him versus Kamaru would be interesting to see because no one in that welterweight division at the moment can do or put up against Kamaru Usman's wrestling and 
Masvidal was probably perhaps too tired to fight him when they did fight. But I think it, uh, even if Masvidal is fully fit, Kamaru takes out all day. So yeah, Kamset will be uh, the guy to take down Kamaru and challenge him really good because of his res- uh, wrestling skills. But even he might struggle because he hasn't been in the uh, wrestling game or has been training for as long as Khabib has. So, yeah. MMA looks, or UFC I should say, looks exciting as ever. And um, not only that, we got John Jones saying that he could be coming back but every time he comes back he gets positive for drugs and then he has to go back and then everything is put back to reality with John Jones with him being um, having these issues with performance enhancing drugs so I think if he cleans that up though we've got a um, really good fighter and someone who should be breaking records of pay-per-view and probably ahead of um, Khabib and McGregor but it's just about him staying fit and uh, not doing things that he shouldn't be so yeah that's one thing I think the the belt for lightweight should be uh, given to person whoever wins that four-man tournament between Connor Ferguson uh, Gaethje and Poirier and uh, whenever that decides to happen, uh, it's going to be the biggest card uh, in the UFC history, I reckon. And um, that's pretty much it for the UFC this weekend. It's going to be interesting to see the fight between Leon Edwards and Kamzat. I think Kamzat takes that one as well. So yeah, that's my prediction for what two months uh, away fights just to stick with sports I did give a prediction about PSG losing to Manchester United last week and that was on the back of them not having uh, players fit for their match but when the team news did come out I thought that they were a very strong side but they just don't have the culture Manchester United do or any of the clubs which is why they got beaten in the Champions League well, even though they did go into the final but they got, they got beaten by Dortmund as well last year and that was surprising to see but they just don't have football history like other clubs um, of their revenue do and I think PSG like Manchester City and even you could say uh, uh, Red Bull Live thing to a certain extent will need a few more years to build a history and a culture for them to be considered as top clubs. And PSG, the club itself, is filled with footballers who would rather play for money 
Yes, which is why they get beaten by teams who, even though they have lower quality, they have more passion and more of a um, history of the club that they're playing for than PSG players. And uh, it wasn't just that. It was just I had thought that with the, uh, the pressure being on the Manchester United manager, they had to win the game, even though it was a Champions League game, and then, and it's just a group stage. It felt like a uh, quarter final for some reason. It felt like something which uh, would have resulted in one of the teams being thrown out of the league um, of the tournament, even though that was not the case. But yeah, it was a good game. Uh, and a good display from United, from what I saw some of the match. And um, I just hope that the team is able to keep the momentum that they've had onto uh, the Premier League as well. Because we've seen us not really be serious for some reason by putting out lineups that should not be the case like not giving uh, starts to either, either Vendebeek or even Pogba but you can understand because of the balance and pre-season uh, Pogba should not be starting uh, but I don't know Vendebeek him not starting I'm not kind of uh, feeling the reasoning behind that and um, Luke Shaw as well he's just Uninspiring for um, a left back to not be going up and down uh, on the pitch. And uh, Rashford not being uh, on the score sheet against Chelsea again. It's just uh, something I did not expect. I thought he would have, he would have scored um, with the shot that he had. Not just the one that he was on one on one against the keeper when um, Mata put him through, but the one that he uh, kind of had a shot at the end of the at, at the edge of the box. But yeah, speaking of Marcus Rashford, if you don't know what he's been doing uh, in terms of helping feeding uh, children, then he's probably living under a rock. Because the guy has single-handedly fed more people, oh sorry, more children than the government was willing to. And that, in itself, shows the lack of responsibility and the lack of leadership that the government has portrayed, not just during this pandemic, but... Uh, overall, you could say, because if it is the footballers writing and making pledges to governments and uh, MPs to allow free school meals within uh, schools, then it shows how bad the government has been in terms of taking care of the youth and uh, taking care of the responsibility that they 
um, have because it shouldn't be up to a footballer or any person in that sector and no one should take away from the credentials that he's built up and uh, all the effort that he's gone through no one's going to take that away from him but it should not have been him or any other person other than MPs that and the uh, ruling uh, party saying that we should be feeding the kids because it just leaves a, a bad taste within the uh, young people and the young generation and when they grow up they probably do not have the trust built within them from uh, these governments so when the children grow up they're not going to be feeling as though they can rely upon the state to feed them when they need to because of their uh, uh, lack of um, notice uh, when they were young and um, some MPs that uh, he should not be interfering or he should mind his own job and leave the children as to uh, what they're doing which I think is absolutely stupid what should be happening is that MPs from both parties Labour and Conservative and even SNP to a certain extent they should be coming together and discussing how they can resolve the situation because it's not something to be divided over it's not something to be um, fighting over to have the best policy the best policy should be and the only policy should be giving free meals to children who come from a deprived uh, household and even to some students and some kids who are not from deprived areas and uh, households but just cannot be fed at home due to parents being um, uh, at the job at the time of the uh, kid going to school for example but yeah they should fix it but you have to give so much credit to Marcus Rashford and what he's done and all the takeaways that and restaurants that have and cafes have um, uh, helped with his cause and uh, they have offered to help uh, give food to children during the half term and um, some have even pledged to give food after that as well which is great to see and it shows how much of the country cares for a cause like this and um, uh, Rashford being the one to bring uh, everyone together for just this moment it's uh, beautiful in a way and uh, but yeah he's his um, ability off the field should not be questioned unless he does something outrageous but his manner ever since he's uh, been in the public light uh, by making his debut uh, for the first team it's unquestionable but and I think only because and the only bad press I could say he's got is because when he's been with uh, other people 
and um yeah he's a a man of great manners and um a bit like Khabib, great principles that he has been taught and he's really trying to take care of the community around him and the country as well and moving on from one person who is bringing the country together to a documentary which will divide a lot of opinions and a lot of people should be outraged at particular judicial systems and banks and societies to be honest and i'm talking about this documentary called bad boys billionaires so the documentary is about uh, billionaires in india who have somehow one way or another uh, frauded their way to stop and uh, lost it all but some have even though they have lost all of the wealth that they had and the businesses that they had were defaulted and gone into debt they somehow still are millionaires so the documentary has so far three episodes and it's only one season it's on Netflix and uh, there was supposed to be four episodes but because of the legal issues they are unable to release the uh, fourth episode and because of the controversy that they face or are facing currently and the episode of um, a guy called Vijay Malia and this guy used to have an uh, airline in India as well as a alcoholic and uh, beverage as well as a formula 1 uh, team and a cricket team in the IPL who has some of the biggest stars so this guy was worth around what 2 billion 3 billion dollars at the high office uh, peak and uh, he made a lot of purchases even though he didn't have any money to give back to the banks that he was lending money from and at the end his businesses did collapse and uh, he moved to the UK uh to that he he so that he can escape from uh being punished and it's not just him but also the guy that they showed in the second episode who was dealing in jewelry and he was a jeweler and uh, he made a brand for himself and this brand became uh, one of the biggest brands not just out coming out of india but coming out of uh, the jewel sector of the time as well and this guy was faking diamonds and inflating the price by just selling it to um fake branches and just hyping up his own material even though the brand probably or the diamond i should say it was worth 10 pounds or i shouldn't say 10 pounds but for like 10,000 pounds he was transferring it into different countries and different places so that his its worth would be increased and then he could send, sell it to uh, some other person which is out of his organization 
for a price which the diamond is not worth for. And this guy also escaped India and he came to the UK as well. And for some reason, UK has this history of protecting people who commit fraud and to the level that these two have, which is astronomical, like the biggest frauds you could probably say uh, in the modern history. And to see that the British judicial system is protecting them from being prosecuted in their own land is a bit absurd, to be honest. And I've seen uh, people who have committed fraud and money laundering in other countries that they have fled to the UK and they are just living like normal beings and they are not being asked to serve their sentence and then come back to the UK for example or uh, pay all the debt or um, being told that they should give back all the money that they owe they are just being kept in the country and then asked to pay the tax and they are being kept and saved from being prosecuted as long as they pay the tax within the country and they don't disobey the rules and regulations because the minute that they do do that they'll be thrown out but that's um, something to be questioning in terms of why a country of the stature of and principles of the UK is protecting criminals who have defrauded so many uh, people and have changed the lives of so many people and not in a positive manner at all. So, yeah, it's a good documentary out on Netflix called uh, Bad Boys Billionaire. I hope they release the fourth episode because the episodes that they have released are eye-opening, to say the least. And yeah, that's pretty much it for this week. It's a bit of a short one, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much. See you later.